Crazy. Well, listen, y'all. I was gonna have some intro music on for some strange reason. It won't let it won't let me play it. <laughs> I don't know what the game plan is tonight, but welcome, welcome, welcome to Office Hours with your brother, Professor Carl Tone Jones. I am Professor Carl Tone Jones. I'm normally joined with my wonderful co-host Erica Tober. Unfortunately, Erica can't be with us this evening, but that doesn't mean we're not gonna rock out. So Family, I want you all to hit the share button. Hit the share button for this broadcast, whether you're watching on Facebook Live, whether you're watching on YouTube Live, whether you're watching it on our partnership radio station, freedomtrainradio.com. That's freedomtrainradio.com. Make sure y'all get this out, family, because this is one show you're not going to want to miss. Um, and listen, family, if you have not already get, um, ordered your copy of the Independence Day Project, I, suppress, I suggest you do so. Go to the link. is up in the description, blackindependence.org, blackindependence.org. Grab your pot, Grab your pot, uh, copy. I think I spelled that right. Oh, did I, did I misspell my daggone thing? <laughs> Let me type it in again. Um, but go to blackindependence.org. And once you go to blackindependence.org, family, you yourself can grab your own copy of the Independence Day Project. I am your brother, Professor Carl Tone Jones, and listen, y'all, today we're going to have a conversation about a lot of different things, but, you know, the answers to a lot of the things we're struggling with right now is in this documentary. The answers to a lot of things we're struggling with is in this documentary right here. You know, I'm going to pin it. I'm going to pin it in the comments so you can see it. And let me tell you, I just got off the... Uh, off of Twitter with with one of our elders, one of our dear elders, um, Judge Joe Brown. Judge Joe Brown uh, did me a solid. He looked at the Independence Day project, um, showed him the previews. He was able to, he asked if he could check it out. So I was able to give him an electronic, you know, uh, whatever, we ain't gonna get into how I got it to him. But the bottom line is I got the brother a copy of the Independence Day project. So let me tell you what he had said, because he was very critical, very honest. And so that's what we're shooting for. So the docu movie was entertaining, was interesting. It reflects a nascent, nascent, a nascent, excuse me, a nascent stage of awareness of a situation, perhaps motivation to move away from the exception of a situation. So I had to look up nascent because I said, what the hell kind of hurts nascent? So nascent basically means like an, an awareness. You know, opening up uh, the beginning of seeing the beginning of the process of. So um, he said the underlying thing that's missing is an ideological governmental doctrine, political structure suited to the proposed distinct mono black enclave. No one ever deals with the possible uh, administrative dynamics of such a thing, but the important business is about the business of perceived perceiving self worth. It scores in this. Good. Exclamation part. So, you know, um, that's from my, um, uh, a brother that's been an elder, Baba Joe Brown, Judge Joe Brown, who's been in the struggle for a long time. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so, listen, family, we're, we're you know, we're, we're moving. We're moving, you know, the National Black Liberation Front, you know, we're part of this. We're Kusu family. As always, that's how we start. That's how we greet one another. It means to wake up, clean up, stand up. It's an acronym. Um, our um, dearly beloved 
ancestor Malcolm X would start off or end a lot of his lectures with that statement and phrase. So that's what we use in the National Black Liberation Movement, and we are moving indeed. So like I said, family, make sure you share this broadcast. Um, like I said, whether you're on Facebook, whether you're on Twitter, um, but you won't be able to find on Twitter. <laughs> but whether you're on Facebook, uh, YouTube, Freedom Train Network, make sure you share this, family, because we need to start getting into the business of, of, uh, of sharing our works, not sitting back and waiting, but also being a part of it. So that's what I'm doing right now. And I'm sharing this as I'm talking to you, but we're about to get into the mix of it because we have had an eventful seven days. Seven days since the last time. Actually, I'm lying. We didn't even have office hours last week, so uh, <laughs> I set that from around myself. So used to being on schedule. You know, I had to take off. Brother was a little under the weather, but I'm back. I'm ready. And as you can see, you know, I have my I am Black Power shirt on. I am, let me hold, hold this up. Hold on. I am Black Power. You can get that from my brother Patrick Alexander at PATs. PATs. You know, my good brother uh, Patrick Alexander out of Mississippi. You know, he's also part of the National Black Liberation Front. And when you contribute to him, you contribute to the movement that we're pushing. So, family, let's get into it. You know, right here in Philadelphia, we have some unpacking to get, get into. Right here in Philly, three days ago, we had a situation at a coffee shop, you know, a national um, syndicated coffee shop, Starbucks. And the situation was, you know, you had these two brothers who happened to go sit down in Starbucks. They were waiting for somebody and they asked to use the restroom. When they were told that they couldn't use the restroom, they went back to their seats, but then they were told that they had to leave. They were, you know, assumed to be loitering. Okay. Now the police were called, boom, boom, the brothers were arrested because once again, they said, we're waiting for somebody, you know, you know what I'm saying? Why do we have to leave? The police officers arrested these brothers, you know what I'm saying? And took them out and the brothers got locked up. They were in jail till two in the morning, all right? And then uh, after all the public, you know, scrutiny, because somebody had to, you know, somebody recorded it and we actually got some justice from people recording this time because there were white folk recording, utilizing their white privilege and utilizing their white privilege, they were able to uh, make sure that they got, you know, the brothers and sisters, uh, I mean, the brothers, some justice because they, they were able to use their white privilege to make sure for, for one, that the police weren't able to agitate that situation because trust and believe, if those were black people out there asking those questions, the, you know, you would have had more police officers showing up you would have had more people coming out, and the next thing you know, you would have had an escalated situation, which could have possibly led to somebody getting um getting hit up. So I'm sorry, <laughs> I got to turn the ringer off on this damn phone. So um, so family, uh, make sure you share this broadcast because, like I said, you know we're about to get into we're about to get into some knee deep stuff. Um, we're about to get into some of the things, the black psyche, the black person, the personality of us, you know, and how we how we get down. You know what I'm saying? We're going to talk about cultural altruism, you know, altruism, excuse me. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about um, some of the different things. So let me go in the chat room real quick. I'm going to scroll through the chat room as I continue to share this. And make sure you can share, share this broadcast, family, because this is us pirating the system. Like I always say, you know, we're not on here, you know, uh, trying to make this a profiteer situation for, uh, 
Facebook, no, we're pirating the, their system and we're getting this message out to our people utilizing their vehicle. That's what you do when you don't have the vehicles up. We're going to talk about that too a little later on. Um, but so let's get into it real quick. And like I said, um, I got, I'm going to check out the, the conversation real quick to see who, see who's all out here. Um, Act right, act right, act right. You know, um, let me see who's all out here in the, in the chat room. Okay, so I see uh, peace and black power, Sister Bumby, Bumby Haru, peace, black power. My brother, my young brother Wayne Whitaker, peace and black power. Sister Queen Lil Glenn, Kusu, sister from Las Vegas, she's tuned in from Las Vegas, peace and black power to you, sis. Um, strong sister from Long Island, she brings it everywhere she goes. I wouldn't be surprised she ain't delivering some black power out there in Las Vegas right now. You know what I'm saying? Hit up the slots on me. <laughs> you know what I mean? My good brother, uh, David Pierce, peace and black power to you, bro. Cuzzo, my brother Chuck. Cousin Chuck, what's good, Chuck? You know what I'm saying? I see we got some others. You know what I'm saying? I see my man June. June, June on here advertising. They got something going on. Um, brothers Omega Side 5 having something on April 22nd. So make sure y'all can check that link out. What's going on, June? Um, Brother Xavier Lockhart, peace and black power to you, King. So let's get into the juicy, shall we? Now, we always talk about racial integrity, and we really get into racial integrity in this flip. You know what I'm saying? We really get into racial integrity when we start talking about, you know, um, what it is that we need to, to do as a community, as a people. And so the second, you know, our understanding is the second a community has shown you that you are not worthy, that you're not liked or respected, you don't beg them to, to give them your business. You know what I'm saying? You don't beg them to give them your business. And so for a lot of brothers and sisters who are finally getting it, who are finally starting to deal with some of that racial integrity, that racial pride that we often talk about, when they first heard about this incident that took place, I believe it took place on what, Sunday? Either Saturday or Sunday, when it first took place. A lot of brothers and sisters said, the hell with this, we're done with Starbucks. We don't need to know no more. We don't need to have any more, um, uh, any more pieces of the story. We don't need to have any more details. They kicked the brothers out. That's it, it's over. And by the way, we got a situation with the Hilton Hotel you know, um, franchise too that we need to talk about as well because they did some funky shit. And what we're finding out, family, is that this is not isolated. These are, these events aren't isolated. So you're starting to see the culture. You know, Starbucks has, uh, you know, uh, a pretty kooky culture where they typically let people come into Starbucks, use the bathroom, use Wi-Fi. People don't pay for shit. You know, they come in, they had their little say. Bring their, a lot of people bring their food to Starbucks. And eat their food, bring their snacks. That Starbucks shit is expensive. So a lot of people, when they get in there, they 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 get in there and they sit down and this that, and the other. Apparently, the they didn't like the looks of these brothers and they kicked them out. Cool. We were good. We were good there. We were good there. Now let's start unpacking some of the other stuff that happened later, okay? Because this is for the rest of the community. This ain't for the brothers and sisters. That said, y'all don't like us, then fuck you. Then we out. This is for the rest of the community to step back and say we need to have more information. All right. So. Comes out later on that one of the young brothers happens to be, you know, um, college graduate of Omega Sci-Fi fraternity. Shout out to the Omegas, you know. Um, I don't hate all black Greeks. I know that, you know, um, a lot of good black brothers and sisters who happen to be in our fraternities 
fraternities and sororities. So um, shout out to the, uh, to the Omegas. Um, you know, but there was a caption in it that stated that, see, they thought he was a thug. There was a picture that came out the next day. They, they thought he was a thug. And they have him in a shirt and tie, this, that, and the other. Listen, family, first and foremost, let's get out of respectability politics. Respectability politics, where we basically got a lot of brothers and sisters who are going around trying to show these white supremacists that we're good people, we're honorable, we're respectful, we're harmless. That doesn't mean anything. If you go back and see, this is why we don't we need to do more research in history. If you go back to the Jim Crow era, and you go back to the time and place where they were lynching brother, brothers and sisters and, and, and killing them and raping them in the street, go look at the attire of the brothers and sisters that were hanging from those trees. Go look at the attire of the brothers and sisters that were tied to the stakes and burned at the, at the town square. Go look into the pictures of those who were dragged out of their cars and killed and left in the swamp as alligator bait and this, that, and the other. You know, you will see that these were businessmen wearing three-piece suits and a tie in most cases business women or proud respectable women who were in their church clothes who were being killed in lynch so that respectability politics it goes out of the window you have to recognize for people who we're dealing with we are not dealing with a, a, a moral people a people who you can appeal to their morality a people who you can eventually get to understand that, hey, I'm human too. I don't cause chaos wherever I go. I'm friendly, I'm neighborly. I could be a lot of help to you. You see how I started talking nasally and whatnot? Because that's how Negroes start getting. And you know, I blame a lot of this on the um, higher education because they have these etiquette classes that they put these Negroes in. And when they go through these etiquette classes, it teaches you how to act white, how to survive in the white environment, how to survive in the private sector and how to survive in all these different places you know what i'm saying so you know we have to start shadow get the hell away from my stuff get out of here kept trying to throw monkey wrenching all my stuff <laughs> trying to knock the camera over ain't play time for you dude and you're a black cat stop hating <laughs> so you know family um those 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 institutions we don't forget the root of the, the majority of hbcus they were created because white supremacists recognized that black people were building up towns all over the country after slavery and reconstruction and they had to create a way the black problem they framed it as though black people were just let off the plantation without skills without education without a way to earn a living these black people were taking the same skills they used to make white supremacy rich and building towns all over the country black towns all over the country now, Jeeves, stop laughing at my um at my cat. <laughs> they were used to build, they built, they took those same skills, and those white folks saw that shit. And they started approaching black scholars and they started approaching black leaders instead of saying, you know what? We can give you some money. We can give you some money, and we can build build schools for them so they can be educated in the in the ways of the, you know, the the um sophisticated man you know civilized man they used to use words like civilized you know to talk in other words we can train y'all to be some coon ass negroes you know and a lot some brothers took it some brothers and sisters didn't you know but the bottom line is that was the whole idea of creating that etiquette 
um, and that modeling system, system for modeling those types of behaviors to fit in, that integrated fit in sort of. And they still weren't even allowing brothers and sisters to integrate because to get into those institutions, you have to pass a brown, a brown paper bag test. So if you ask, I, I am not dark enough to get into those institutions. My high yellow ass is not was not light enough to get into a lot of those institutions, just to let y'all know the brown paper bag test. In fact, shout out to the Qs. They were the first black fraternity that didn't hold black people to the brown paper bag test in terms of those things. You know, the Qs, Omega Psi Phi. You know what I'm saying? So shout out to the Qs for that, because all the other Greek fraternities did. And y'all can be, don't be shy about the history, god damn it. <laughs> That's why it's a stereotype with each one. But anyway, um, so so family, when we start talking about what this is, and I keep telling y'all, make sure I hit the share button because y'all fighting on the share button. Now, I mean, June, share my shit, June. Share it up there in New York. You know what I mean? Um, family, we have got to stop asking and begging permission to kiss somebody's ass for acceptance. So when I saw that they had the Black Lives Matter, had the protest down there, you know, I kind of lost it a little bit because my thing was, first and foremost, they already showed you who they were. When they show you who they are, you believe them. They showed you that this, this is the culture. They showed you, and this is not new for Starbucks, it was like six or seven other reports all over the country, shit happened this week where black people were being harassed in Starbucks. So this is the culture. It's a white, guppy crowd. That liberal left that really is the main sneaky-ass forces behind gentrification and destroying black communities. That's the crowd. They don't want your black ass in there unless you're, you know, quirky, unless you're safe, unless you're, you know, one of those black people that that, that cow down and, and make it, and disarm your blackness. They utilize and they allow you to disarm your blackness. They, you know, you, you become a, an unmelanated part of the black community so that you can fit in with them. You know what I'm saying? So other than that, they don't want your ass in there. So when these brothers look like they just, you know, played, might've played some ball or whatever, they were in there with a t-shirt, sweats, or just a shirt and some sweats, Sneakers, you know, casual wear, like I normally wear, they got treated hospital. There's no reason to protest that shit. It's over. It's over. Why do we keep boycotting shit? You boycott something when you want them to change their treatment so that you can, so, so they can treat you better. You withhold, you withdraw from them in an effort to get them to treat you better. Why? We have black coffee shops. And if you even don't want to go to a black coffee shop, there's so many places to get coffee in the city. It's fucking ridiculous. You can't walk two blocks in any area and not find somewhere to get some coffee. It's not that deep. What the fuck are you protesting for? So what you're showing, and then we have these Negroes out there talking about that we got some demands for the black community. And I'm like, hold on for a minute. Where did this conference ha happen? Where did we convene and determine that you Negroes were going to be the spokespersons for our cause as the entire black community for one, and then two, what the fuck were these demands? That the manager get fired? Okay, the manager got fired. That they had sensitivity training? Okay, they're going to close their stores for one day with sensitivity training. Have you Negroes ever been to a sensitivity training? 
It is one big propaganda campaign to make white folk not feel so bad about being racist. They point to every, they start talking about discrimination. They start talking about reverse racism. They start talking about all this other shit. And how the fuck you gonna change somebody who's been racist the entire life in one afternoon? You're talking about possibly six hours of training. Not even a whole six because they take long ass breaks in between. I know how these things work. I used to run them. I got twisted when I was in college and you know these white lesbians were in college and they were the ones, the professors who were the liberals and they were the ones who were always recruiting the young black activists and getting us to be diversity trainers. So I know all about this shit. I know all about this shit. Anybody went to Bloomsburg, they know Mary Harris. They know that bullshit program she used to run to brainwash black people to disarm us against dealing with the issues and situations. They know that shit. You know what I mean? So that, that's just that's just that's just PR. And let me <laughs> did anybody see the news today in Philly? They're literally coupons on the windshields of cars offering people of color. Now, that's a weak ass term to begin with. People of color, a free cup of coffee. Now, somebody said it was a hoax. I don't know. But nigga. And I have to say it just like that. Nigga. <laughs> if they have, they research you. If they feel like they can buy your black ass off for a cup of coffee, then don't come back. All right. If you get that cup of coffee, don't come back. Malcolm was talking about black dignitaries not being able to walk away from a cup of coffee. He was talking about from people who had political power, people who had economic clout, people who had their movers and shakers in the world. And then they were pulling black people into those meetings. Cats come sit down and have a cup of coffee and let's talk over some things. Now they're trying to get you off a paper cup coffee to say that, you know, to, to buy your allegiance back to them. And you, and, and see, here's the issue with cultural um so because because we're gonna we want we want to talk about cultural altruism basically and that is when you have no pride in your community you have no pride you have no desire to see your community come up you have no desire to build your community and you're always doing things to shape and build and empower another community another race of people another culture of people and Here's the deal, y'all. We keep showing that day by day, the price to buy our allegiance, the price to buy our sacrilege to our community is getting cheaper and cheaper every day. It's getting cheaper and cheaper every day for somebody to buy us off. Once again, we covered this in the Independence Day Project, $22. You can straighten that whole situation out yourself by just educating yourself. This is political education right here. It's not just a movie. <clears throat> you notice anybody that, that watched the Independence Day Project wasn't talking that shit. Judge Joe Brown wasn't talking that shit. You know what I'm saying? You know? So, <clears throat> and I'm, and I'm going to come back to, to, to this because this speaks to a level of disrespect you have for yourself. So let's go back to the beginning. The first incident, once it happened, the, the, the brothers and sisters who were down for black empowerment, 
unapologetic, they didn't want to hear shit. Then you had these Negro, these Negro collaborators asking this question or saying certain things. And Kevin Hart fell under this category. Poor thing. <laughs> he doesn't know any better. But a lot of Negro collaborators have jumped on it, talking about how, well, it was just one store. And it wasn't even one store. It was one employee or one manager in one store. It doesn't speak for the whole franchise. But you same Negroes will have one bad experience with a black roofing company, and you don't want nobody else black touching your shit. You don't want nobody else black touching nothing in your prop. Don't want nobody black working on your car. You don't want nobody black working on your floors. You don't want nobody black putting up sheetrock. You don't want nobody black to help you with your plumbing. You don't want nobody black to take your help you with your bags from the grocery to your car, and then from your car to your house. We have to start eliminating that Negro. That Negro is more dangerous than anybody else to the black community. That Negro is more dangerous than the white man. That Negro is more dangerous than the white woman. That Negro is more dangerous than the cross-cultural you know, alliances that all these um, non-black entities have with white supremacy. That Negro is more dangerous because that Negro gets in the bed with us. That Negro comes home with us. That Negro is with us when we lock the door. That Negro was responsible for the fall of the UNIA. That Negro was the one that set Marcus Garvey up and had him exported. That Negro was the one that set up Fred Hampton. That Negro was the one that walked Mark Martin um, Luther King out to that balcony. That Negro was the one that pulled the trigger on Malcolm X. That Negro was the one that was trying to get a Sal Shakur sent up. That Negro was the one that got all that gets us all fucked up every time we turn around. And we don't have time for that. And it's time for us to be serious about dealing with these situations. See. When we talk about the seriousness of this, 99% of y'all, I love you, you love me back, but y'all not serious about what we're talking about. We're talking real nationhood here, real nation building. And when you have a nation, you have to deal with traitors in a way that discourages that behavior from any potential traitors amongst us. They're not even doing nothing to these motherfuckers to make them trade, to, to put them in a position where they would have to trade. They're not sending them pictures of their children at school. They're not showing them pictures or, or snapshots of them leaving places. They're not blackmailing these Negroes. These Negroes are willing collaborators with white supremacy. These Negroes are willing collaborators with the white supremacist um, spot, you know, with the white supremacists. They're willing collaborators. So, you know, when we start talking about these willing collaborators, what we have to start talking about is, you know, um, what's the game plan for them? What's the game plan for them? Because at, at certain times, we have to extract them, remove them. And see, these Negro collaborators, they have no intention on leaving the plantation. Somehow, some way, they keep wandering into our circle. We're in the back. We're meeting by the tree, three, 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 three acres away from the house. 
We're meeting by the tree in the forest at night talking about our game plan, our escape route, where we're going to meet up, how we're going to link up. And somewhere, somehow, these motherfuckers keep finding us and having a time. Can I have a conversation with you, please? Can I please talk to you, please? Can I please tell you about, you know, maybe some of the errors in your ways? Maybe all our best ain't mad to all of us. He ain't bad to all of us. I had a brother who works at one of these damn spots. You know, good brother. Works at one of these spots. Bro, I got found. I mean, listen, man. There's casualties of war. Don't you got cozy and you got comfortable. You got cozy and you got comfortable working for these bastards. And you know the policy if you run the damn store. You know how they treat people. Maybe not in my store. Well, guess what? If there's a, 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 a ring of plantations on one particular area and these plantations are controlled by one family, and then one particular house, you happen to be the one, the, the head nigga in charge running this particular house, you might be able to stop some things, but best believe if they wanted to come into your particular establishment, they would wreck shop change policy and your black ass would be stuck. Either have, have to make a very difficult decision. Do you ride with them or do you stick up and have some racial integrity? And I already know the answer to that question. So I don't feel no sympathy when you get caught in a situation where you're on the wrong side of the gun line. I don't have any sympathy for you. This is war. See, you keep playing. And because you keep playing, when war shit pops up, then you get caught up with your pants down. You get caught up with a basketball, they shooting at you with bazookas. But you got a basketball, and you think this shit is still a game. That's the problem. So I don't feel any sympathy for you. Second of all, family. They, you know, the, the owner came down. We go back to this whole thing. I'm packing it some more. I'm packing it. I'm packing it. I'm packing it. There's a lot of teachable moments here. You know what I'm saying? Uh, the uh, manager fired. The manager quit. And by the way, it was, we, we got the wrong information. It wasn't a black woman that, that took that fell on the sword. It was a white woman. Her name, her name was Holly Hilton. Holly Hilton spelled with an I. I mean, with a Y. Holly Hilton. All right, that was the manager that got caught up in this whole mess and got taken out of it. You know what I'm saying? So she left the store. I guess I guess she didn't want to acknowledge that she fucked up or whatever, and and and, and look bad for management. So she herself, you know, um, she she walked away from the situation. They had a mutual split. She didn't get fired. So I guess she still gets benefits and all that good stuff. Because you know the way you word it is based on you know you get to keep a lot of benefits, but. Here's the thing. The, the, we wanted to come down, meet the brothers, get the policy, just any other man. Yeah, yeah. Listen, after the initial part, I didn't give a fuck about the 911 call. I didn't give a damn about him beating with those brothers. In fact, I would have hoped the brothers did meet with them. I would hope the brothers met with their goddamn attorneys. And I hope the brothers began to be very wealthy real soon. Now, I'm going to speak to this too for a second, too. Those brothers better kick back to the community. Because a lot of people, whether I agree with it or not, rode with them. A lot of people went down there. Some of them were front runners, but a lot of people are passionately upset that those brothers got mistreated and showed their support. I don't know what those brothers' activist history was before this, because a lot of Negroes like to just stay out of the way until some shit happens to them. But from this point forward, those Negroes better do something to empower black institutions. 
They better go out, create some fucking black coffee shops and stuff. They better go talk to Mark Lamont Hill and find out how he did Uncle Bobby's and make some, some of those joints down in the community. They better do something with that bread. So if, if, if they get fat off that bread and don't look back, guess what? And I and I don't know them. I don't know the characters, so I don't know what their what their game plan is. But I'm just talking about the simple fact: a lot of people are riding for these brothers. We got to start holding people accountable when we look out for them. Black people rode for Rodney King. He didn't do shit but keep getting drunk and, and eventually ended up killing his fucking self. Black people ride for all these different brothers and sisters who are never activists, who get killed, who get hurt, who get harmed by white supremacy. There needs to start being more of a consistent focus from each and every day, average everyday brothers and sisters, because you cannot say, specifically if you're active in social media, you cannot say that you don't that, that this is all catching you blind, that you don't have, you don't know what's going on. In fact. You need to, you know, dig deep right now and figure out how you can empower yourself. Because I don't know how many different ways white folk got to show you. They don't love you. They don't want you. They only want you in their presence for as long as you they can, one, use you as a resource in some way, somehow, either your labor or your talent, or two, if you can entertain them. That's the only two times white folk want you in your presence. When white women are sleeping with black men, it's some entertaining shit. It's exciting, but it's gutter sex. And as soon as she gets caught, nine times out of ten, if she didn't tell her friends about you beforehand, you raped her. You silly Negroes. You don't learn from seeing other brothers go through that shit. You silly women who are out there, who when you want to deal with a brother, he has to be a baller, a hustler, or whatever. He has to have a certain type of swag. But when you decide to go to the white man, he can be some ratty looking motherfucker. He just happens to have a half decent bank account, a decent credit score. And that's good enough for you. You see how you change your standards, lower your standards because you think white is colder, white ice is better because, you know, because it's cooler. We are, you know, and I'm, I'm perfectly I'm glad a lot of people are showing the colors. Shout out to the AKAs too. Who were cooning it up for the fact that the you know um, uh, AKA got promoted to regional supervisor for Starbucks? What kind of bullshit is that to be proud of? You Negroes have to understand because there's another part too that you have to understand. Black people, white folk, play the race card more better than we ever could. They created it. So what they have done with the race card is they take people, specifically black women or feminine black men, and they put them in positions of perceived power. Titles, basically, you have a nice title, you have a nice salary, you do menial work, you might have earned it, but earning your way, meritocracy has no place in the business world. The business world is built on nepotism. Nepotism, that's why all these countries, all these corporations, the people who are in the presidents, the vice presidents, and, and sitting on the board of directors of all family members or friends of family. You have to recognize, family, that when they put you in those positions and they slot you, it's for their break glass in case of a Negro emergency. So I can throw you out in front. The first person they threw out in front was a sister to come address this matter. 
You know what I'm saying? The one that became the regional director and all that shit. They threw her out. She was the one on the microphone speaking on behalf of Starbucks. She was the one down there when the when they were protesting and they were in her face, this and the other, as the buffer. That's what you Negroes serve in the corporate world. You serve as the buffer. And same thing with police officers. When you're cops, you serve as the buffer. The black cops always get hung out the drive. That's why you got that black cop right now in Minnesota. Right there, it was Minnesota, Milwaukee. Help me out, family. If it's Minneapolis or Milwaukee, that brother, when that white woman ran up banging on his car, he shot her. Now he's going to jail. He's not getting an ounce of any of the sympathy that those white cops get. He's not getting the benefit of none of those doubts. Yet another situation that happened in New Orleans where a white man robbed the fucking bank, was driving around with his child in the car, reckless, trying to run over the cops. They shot the car up. And then the brothers, not brothers, the black police officers both went to fucking jail. One got like 15 years, the other one got life because they ended up killing the child that was in the car. Well, technically speaking, if the shoe would have been on the other foot, they would have charged the black man driving the car for that murder because he was, they would have said they instigated the incident that led to the death of that person. And that's how they rigged a lot of these charges. So y'all got to understand, family. You got to start understanding how this game works. And the fact, the fact that you keep turning away from it is very disrespectful to your ancestors. And it's very, very cowardly behavior to those of you who have children. Because this is the world you're preparing and leaving your children in. You're teaching your children to be suckers. You're teaching the children that they can be bought off with a goddamn coupon. You're teaching your children that you don't have the backbone to stand for them. And you wonder why you can't talk to them now. You wonder why they don't respect you. You wonder why the children are in the house and the children run the house because the parents are now scared of them too. You wonder about those things because you spineless jellyfish, they see you out there. They see you out there, family. Your children see you for what you are. It's like when you say your children, you know, you don't know that your children are watching you. Next thing you know, your children are picking up on habits that you had. Like, how did they do that? They've been watching you the whole fucking time. You're not paying attention. You're on the phone talking shit. You're, you know, you're watching your favorite gutter TV shows or whatever, um, and this, that, and the other. Your children are watching that shit too. And they're watching you. And they're watching your reactions to that shit. And when you get excited, your children get excited to that bullshit. And they get turned on too. I had one student in my classroom yesterday tell me that she, needs to watch that shit because she needs drama in her life since she moved out of the hood. She needs drama in her life. She ain't seeing people getting beat up in the streets, this, that, and the other. That she needs to see that shit so she turns to Ratchet TV to see that shit. That's how culturally fucked up we are right now. That's how culturally. We have a cure for it. We're going to talk about that in a minute because we don't come with the problems and no solutions. We're going to come with that in a minute. So we had that situation. You got a situation, right? So we're going to... Um, you know, you, you're gonna we're gonna see, you know, uh, there, there's there's a trend now where successful black businesses now. Now I'm not talking about foundations, organizations, this, that, and the other, but successful black businesses right now, they are distancing themselves away from blackness in order to make their business run. Now this is a double-edged sword. Now see, it could be a chess move. Because as Dr. Claude Anderson always said, and if you read his book, Powernomics, you would see that he always said, do business with other communities, do business with other countries, do business with other people. But when you bring that money in, you keep it in your community. You keep it locked in, right? Y'all know, there was a story. I'm, I'm trying to see if I can find that story um, for y'all real quick. 
you know, I'm gonna see if I can find that story real quick with a uh because it, it's in a local syndicate, it's in a uh it was a pretty big story, a pretty big news story. Um let me see. Let me see. And shout out too to Harlem Liberation School, brother Isaac Tayamba, you know, um and um my brother Samaj, you know, for, for going out to uh to, to try to catch the mayor and his bullshit as they um as he talked to um uh law school in Harlem. I mean in um in, in the Bronx earlier today. Shout out to those brothers for going out there, keeping it the 100 and actually speaking to some of those young brothers on the street and educating them on the need to sign a petition to get rid of that racist principle up there that speaks on, you know, um that that's that's not allowing for black history to be taught in her middle school in the Bronx. You know, shout out to them, you know what I'm saying, for, for doing that work, because that's that boots on the ground stuff we talk about. You know what I mean? Um, let me see if I can find I'm, I'm, I'm scrolling through, family, so if you don't, if you don't um, see me looking with it, I'm scrolling through my timeline. So much shit came on my timeline. It's crazy. Um, but I want to really talk about that, that particular situation where, um, you know, uh, where that story popped up about where black people, you know, um, uh, black businesses themselves don't feel comfortable or don't 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 um share their business with the community because they themselves feel as though they can't do business with white white consumers and non-black consumers here it is it's in um the chicago tribune the chicago tribune and, and when building your black business mean hiding that it's black owned all right and they speak to the matter of the fact that you know basically what it came down to is they said they can't get any support from the black community. You know what I'm saying? And this, this, this is a double-edged sword, all right? Because one thing you gotta understand, family, when you start talking about black business practices and things of that nature, black, black people typically are trendy. We're followers. We're followers of trends when it comes to things. So if we can't find a way to, uh, if it's not popping, if it's not endorsed, you know, like I said before, subconsciously, black folk love proximity to whiteness. So if it's not endorsed by the white community, black folks tend to not deal with it. It's either very, it's going to either be endorsed by the white community or it's going to be endorsed by a celebrity leadership sort of consort of cohort amongst the community. All right. So like if Jay-Z told everybody to go out and buy a certain brand of this, that, and the other, it, it, it's done. If Beyonce told the Beehive to go out there and, you know, support this, that, and the other, it's done, you know. But other than that, it typically has to be something that's commercially, you know, uh, uh, delivered in a way, advertising to the black community. Otherwise, we ain't rocking with it, right? So, you know, unfortunately, we don't support black businesses. We look at black businesses as, uh, I'm not helping those Negroes get this. I'm not helping put those build that Negro's house. I'm not helping buy that Negro's car. So if you have a you have a corner store, let's say you have three corners on a, you know your three corner store. You have an Asian store, Chinese food. They got their own particular market. You got the Dominican store, and then you have a black owned store. Three of those corners. The store that's going to do the the worst work is the black store. That's going to get the worst business if it's in a black community. Why? Because specifically, if it's a black store in that black community, nine times out of ten, black people know that family. They know that person and they don't want to be the ones. We got some hating shit with us. I'm not putting that motherfucker. I'm not paying in that bench. You see that new car they got? Yep. 
Yep. Yeah, and you know, we start hating on that. But we don't take into account that when we go into the Asian store, the Chinese store, or Japanese, Korean store, wherever it might be, that we're putting their children through college. We're helping them branch off and put other franchises around the city. That, you know, that Dominican store, we're, we're helping pay them. They're just bringing family in the work. They don't even hire no fucking body from the community. I give the Asian stores credit. Once in a while, they'll have somebody black sweeping, sweeping and shit and putting out trash. You know what I mean? But the Dominican stores don't hire no fucking body that's not in their family. And they own ranch stores. Now, do you know, track? you got to understand tax treaty laws to understand this. We all talk about the black store is just too much. Black people, when they buy stores, they have to pay 100% of the overhead. They have to pay the back taxes. They have to pay the current taxes. They have to pay all the licensing. They have to pay for all those different things. And then there's no consortium of black businesses who are putting them, putting their mindset together, putting their, um, uh, their, their pennies together and so that they could buy things in bulk rates. So they're buying property, they're buying product for you, but they're buying it at a much higher cost. You go to the Asian store, you go to the Dominican store. They're foreigners. And because you got acts like the Homestead Act and all those different acts and policies that were purposely put in place to maintain uh, black people as a permanent underclass economically, you gotta read, you gotta, see, this is where the research comes in. They have tax treaty laws. They pay no taxes for the first 10 years. They get $10,000 stipends. They get all of the, the, the property forgiven, all of the debt to the property forgiven. There's no liens. There's a corner store around the corner from my house. The brother that used to own it said it was a $30,000 lien on it. He was working to pay it off. A month later, Dominicans moved in and now they own the store. You know they didn't pay that shit off. And they all get each, not just one person, each, each I mean, not just, you know, one family, each person gets like a $10,000 stipend from the government, a grant to start their business. And they don't pay taxes. And they have, they have their own warehouses. So they go and they, and they put their money together, just like the Asians with the Korean import merchants. They put their money together so that they spend as little as possible on that money, on, on their products. When they bring it to the stores, they spend as little as possible. Now, you might see them at Walmart once in a while with a, a, grocery, a, a, a cart full of shit. But for the most part, the majority of stuff they get, the majority of goods they get, they get it from those consortiums when they put their money together. Black people, we still are so rugged individually. You know, we have that rugged individualism. We have a fuck that nigga mentality when it comes to doing business with each other and building. And then we don't even trust each other. We feel as though if we all put five dollars in the pot, nah, man, somebody put four, and I gotta figure out who put the four dollars in because I need that dollar accounted for. Or when we pull the money back out, I got my five, but I think one of y'all got six, you know. And it's like we have petty shit. I literally watched black organizations, black national organizations that came together on black empowerment fold for less than a hundred dollars, less than a hundred dollars. So we got to be real about the support. So the black business, you're going to pay more because they have a much higher overhead. They have a much smaller margin for error. You know what I'm saying? They have a much smaller chance. There's a chance. Most black businesses go out of business within the first year. You have to, in order for sustainability, things of that nature, your business has to be in place for five years. 
You know, our business practices suck because we believe in getting that return right away instead of properly investing, properly having a nest egg waiting for that. So we, we play a role, and specifically black businesses. You you know, because if you put out too much money, you need to get that back or you want to lose your bills and this, that, that. We have to start being more, more better with planning and preparing and being more organized in all facets because we're totally disorganized and dysfunctional in all facets. But with some of these black businesses, however, with a lot of them, they get their money from the dominant society. They get their money from the white community. They start off money. They get their business. You know, they, 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 you know we're very, very proficient with that, this, that, the other. The second they market it to the black community, the white community will abandon that business. And I've talked to several brothers and sisters who said they wanted to be black empowered. So they changed their business focus. And because they couldn't depend on black people to support their business, that shit went up in smoke. They had to go out and get jobs. We have to depend on a significant other for you know an income that they used to bring in. See, we got to have a better understanding of the commitment family. And we were talking about this earlier on my thread. Um, for those of you who want to check out the thread, I, um, you know, Facebook is in a lot of motherfucking trouble right now. You know what I'm saying? Facebook is in a lot of trouble right now. And they're talking about the possibility. I don't know how true it is, but I've seen rumors and reports that they're telling Mark Zuckerberg that he owes over a trillion dollars in fines for all the stuff they've been doing, specifically um, collaborating with the Russians <laughs> to spend that election. The way Trump got elected, man, there's a lot of people mad as hell about that. So they got them, I think they're trying to get them in collusion. Here's the problem, if, they, if, we, if, if Facebook goes down, where black folk wanna go? The first thing black people start saying is, well, first I didn't know that there were other black social media outlets. Okay, well shit, you must not have been paying attention to me because I've been talking about black spot, I've been talking about black junction, I've been talking about melanatedpeople.org for the longest. You know what I'm saying? For the longest. I even, but there was a period in time when I was even simulcast broadcasting on those networks as well. But we can bring black people to them. I love my Facebook. I love my Twitter. I love my Instagram. You know, black people, I've I seen black people, us, not everybody, on Instagram talking about fuck Facebook, I'm on Instagram. Not understanding that they're, all, they're both owned by the same company. <laughs> it's the same company. That's like people going on BT talking about a black-owned company. I didn't know black people owned Viacom. You see what I'm saying? Research, family. We're not even doing the minimalist amount of research. All right? So let's talk more so um, about the business practices and these, business, these businesses. So these businesses, are they're fronting. They don't even come out directly and say it. And you got to be, listen, it might sound coonish, but if these businesses start funding black projects, which I think we need to start holding them accountable to, they need to start, they need to be the financial engine and a lot of these independent black institutions we're trying to build, schools, buildings, warehouses, places to stock up on water, places to stock up on supplies, so that when they flint Michigan us again, we can when they flint Michigan us again, we can have a game plan and a, and a, a solution that because we were prepared to deal with it. We need to get them to do that and maintain their moves. Because see, I'm not an impulsively emotional person, so I don't jump from you know, oh, you ain't saying you black, this that, and the other. You're traitor to the community. Nah, this is a good. That's a fucking chess move. 
as long as you're not as long as you're not intentionally cooning it is a chess move as long as you're not intentionally collaborating because guess what they don't give a damn where they get their money from from their businesses i have yet to see walmart stop a black person latino person asian person from coming in there and shopping i have yet to see um you know um sam's club stop a person based on the color of their skin from spending their money in fact the whole push for desegregation was about them getting access to black money they got they they they, they study us we don't study shit collectively you know what I'm saying? You know, we have to get that that part. And exactly, Dash, you know what I'm saying? We need for the we need to have that conversation with these black businesses because black businesses ought to be funding black businesses. Black businesses ought to be sourcing out to other black businesses. This is how the group economics works. Now I know people go back to Black Wall Street and this, that, and the other. Man, why y'all miss one important fact about Black Wall Street that never gets talked about, that consistently gets misrepresented. Those black folk, our ancestors that had you know, on Black Wall Street and all those black townships that had the Black Wall Streets, because there were hundreds of them, they couldn't spend their money nowhere else. They couldn't spend their money nowhere else. They had to group, group you know, actualize and, and, and become dependent on one another. So the money had to circulate 20-something times. They couldn't spend it nowhere. They literally were not allowed to spend their money in white establishments. They couldn't go to the play. They couldn't go to the ball, the opera. Not that they should have wanted to anyway. Not that they should have wanted to be a part of that shit anyway. But yeah, they, they couldn't go through all those things. But they had to spend their money in the community. If they wanted to go to church, they had to build their own church. If they wanted to have a movie theater, they had to build their own theaters. If they wanted to get from one place in town to the other, they had to have their own bus station, their own bus companies, their own cab companies. You know, if they wanted to build their own schools, they had to build their own schools. They had to write their own books. They had to fund all that, to create all those different things. You want your own shoes, they had to have their own leather factories and things of that nature. They had to create that stuff. So the money stayed in the community because they couldn't get it nowhere else. So at the beginning of the show, that's what scared white folk. That's what made white folk say, hey, man, we need to get these Negroes desegregated and we need to get them into HBCUs because if not, they are going to have a nation within a nation. If these Negroes ever connect the dots and start working together, then we won't be able to depend on them financially and our lazy asses, we don't have no motherfucking skills. This is why they have to send over to Europe, Ireland and all those other places, bring us your tired, your hungry, your masculine, you're to be free because the skilled laborers were all in Europe. These the, the 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 laborers here in America, the, the the white people, white folk here in America, it was a prestige thing to own slaves. Half of them couldn't even afford the slaves they owned. So when they had African slaves, they might have one or two slaves, but they still lived in a town and place where they had authority over every black person in there. And that was a thing of prestige. If anybody saw you working with your hand, then you was considered poor white gutter trash, you know. So that was the thing. So, 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 family, you got to know your history. This is basic, basic shit. All right. So, we got to get these black businesses working on getting back on code. We got to get them back working together. So, you got to, in order to work, family, we have to divorce ourselves from the system of white supremacy. There's no other answer. Starbucks is going to have this, uh, this, 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 <laughs> where they close all the stores on the 26th or 29th. I saw a black man in a Starbucks earlier today. That brother couldn't look me, he couldn't look me in my face. 
And I stopped and looked at him for a minute. I couldn't have been no more than a foot away from his face. And he couldn't even look at me. So black people are going to go back. We Black people, you know, um, there, there's unfortunate that we have a, a dissenting amongst the people of us, a dissenting faction in our community that, that craves white ice. You know, white ice is cooler. You know, same thread about asking about the other things. People were complaining about the quality of the social media sites, the black social media sites. And I'm like, yo, do you even take into account because this is really easy and pompous for you to sit on your chair, your couch, sipping coffee, probably from fucking Starbucks or, you know, herbal tea and, 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 and asking what, you know, um, why can't they have better quality? Do you know what some of these startups look like? You know, because it's like I, I just did a movie. Some people talk to me about whipping up a movie. Like, have you ever sat and edited film? Have you edited a 30-second commercial? Then you can't tell me shit. Because that's a lot. It, sometimes it takes two, three days, four or five days to cut down 30 seconds of a, of a movie or a commercial. You know what I'm saying? Hold on, man. I'll be with you in a minute. Um, the hell, my little bro. Um, shout out to my brother Eric, like power. Um, so these are probably brothers and sisters that have like a a, 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 a two bedroom apartment, and in that small room they probably have a, a fold up table. You know what I mean? A fold up table with two or three computers, one mainframe. And they're trying to create a social network where they've reached thousands of people off of that one mainframe, that one server. Where they're trying to build it up, but they can't get the support because we ain't ready to, we don't know what independence and nationhood mean. It means riding with somebody, building it while they're in the incremental stages. It means being with them as the egg, helping nurture the egg, until, until the, the egg hatches, keep feeding the chick, protecting the chick, keeping the chick warm as you continue to feed it until the chick becomes a rooster. That's what nationhood is. That's what nation building is. We want some quick, fast microwave shit. And to show you how fast we can be bought off, you know, because one of the sisters I was talking to earlier, I'm not shouting her out, I'm not mad at her. But she said, basically, I don't pay for I pay for the black service. I don't pay for the the free service I get from Facebook. And Facebook is not as glitchy. Did you have Facebook the first time it came out? Do you know the funding of Facebook when it first came out? The whole apparatus of Facebook, first of all, is a government front. We're right now operating, we're pirating a government si signal. This is why Mark Zuckerberg doesn't know what the fuck to talk about when he's at these Senate hearings. This is why, because technically speaking, he was a front man for Facebook. Facebook is nothing but, and all the other aspects of social media, you know, the, specifically the Twitters and this, that, and the other, and Instagram, they're nothing but data grabs. They data grabs facial recognition so that now they basically know your voice. They know your, they, 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 because they, Google acknowledged over 10 years ago that they listened to your voice on the computer, that they listened to it, and, they, and their, their defense was they used it so they can market ads towards you. You sign these third-party agreements, they turn on your cell phones, they turn on your, your microphones, and that's why you got cameras on both sides of your phone. Look at the wireless communication X in 1995. See, you got to fucking research 
I'm sorry if I feel like I'm losing it a little bit, but it's not that difficult. Black nationhood would not be that difficult if we get off our bullshit. It wouldn't be that. It's an easy concept. A very easy concept. If we just start, if we start focusing and funneling our attention toward the direction of building and stop wanting personal accolades, stop wanting to be a rugged individualist, stop wanting to be the thorn in the side, stop wanting to be the collaborator that wants to pull people back after they've tried to leave the plantation. <clears throat> It's not that hard. But we got these brothers and sisters trying to build something. I want to be there on the ground floor. I'll pay money for that. I will pay for my liberation. We pay for our enslavement. I will pay to break these damn chains. You have to pay the price for freedom. And if you're not willing to pay blood, then God damn it, reach in your pocket and pay a few coins. Reach in your pocket and sacrifice. Sacrifice the smooth taste of Facebook, the smooth operation of Facebook. Same ones bitching and crying when you go to Facebook jail because of the censorship. But yet and still, I'm a rock. At least Facebook doesn't shut down. Well, shit. Well, maybe if we supported the black entity and supplied it with the resources that we supply Facebook with, because even though you say Facebook is free, Facebook is not free. Your time is not free. Your time is money. Right now, we are giving Facebook a whole lot of bread because the advertisers are seeing your clicks, they're seeing your views, and every time those views and clicks go up, ching ching, we're paying, we're offering our labor. See, we don't even recognize currency. We think currency is just paper fiat money. No, currency, time, energy expended. My brother B.F. Akuma said something very, very powerful about a year ago when we were doing a fundraiser to help ATOLAs, another black establishment here in Philadelphia, as they were uprooted and moved from their location on Baltimore Avenue to where they're now, 48th and Walnut. We were helping out. We were, we were there speaking up on our behalf to help with the fundraiser for that particular property. He said, we are really shallow in our analysis. And, and, and I'm going to tell you something else, too. Don't come for me if you don't want me to come for you. I am way past the walking on eggshell um, stance that a lot of black nationalists, pan-Africans have to take. Because I don't give a fuck about recruiting any of you. And this is only really going out to those. This is not to the brothers and sisters who ride with Kusu, black love. Y'all know how we get down. But this is for you fringe Negroes. I don't want you. I don't want you with us. I don't want you nowhere near us. I don't give a fuck if you get mad. And I damn sure don't give a damn about hurting your feelings. You don't care about hurting mine. People say some harsh shit to me. Every time somebody comes for me, they think they're checking me. So when the checker gets checked, all of a sudden, I'm a brute. I'm, you know, uh, <laughs> I'm irrational. You know, I'm abusive. Nah, you came for me first. You don't get to slap me and then, and then you know, dictate the consequence of that slap. You don't get to do those things. So don't think that you're going to come for me and I'm going to be calm, serene, and, 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 and 10 times as respectful to you as you were to me. I'm not going to be disrespectful. I'm going to kill you with facts. But these facts are going to hurt your motherfucking feelings. That's just the bottom line. And the fact is, a lot of you Negroes are very comfortable. A lot of you. 
are very comfortable. You know, me and my brother Ajay were talking a while back. And shout out to Brother Ajay Tayemba, Harlem Liberation School, you know, um, true soldier in the National Black Liberation Front. And so I said, why is it that other countries around the world you see people get mistreated and they rise up? And they're not talking about protests and they rise up to take on the governments and the different factions that are oppressing them. I said, brother, they have gotten us extremely comfortable, first of all. People still feel like they got shit to use, um, shit to lose. They have figured out, they learned from the civil rights movement. When you had all those brothers and sisters on the street, even though they were being misled, they still were out there and they were still a threat to the system. So they said, let's give them the Civil Rights Act. Let's give them titles, not salaries, but give them titles. Let's give them houses that they can't afford. Let's give them cars that they can't afford. Let's have them put their children in school that they can't afford. And then when we start fucking them up, let's threaten them with the paycheck that we're getting them, this underpaid ration that we're giving them for which they have to work doubly hard just to maintain. Let's threaten them with that and see if we don't back them up off their back pockets. And that's exactly what happens. They got a lot of you Negroes comfortable. See, I'm a brother with a master's degree and all this, that, and the other. I teach at a college. I don't, that shit is old. Don't nobody own me. I'm an independent contractor. I'm a therapist, an independent contractor. Don't nobody own me. You know what I'm saying? I would never have had that that way. I've been offered many jobs. I've been offered to be a dean of students. I've been offered sometimes be, you know, working in, in particular entities because people, you know, I guess they assume that I have a specific talent or a specific, a specific skill. But I love my liberty. I love the freedom to be able to move as I please. And yeah, you, you do take a financial hit for that. Now, I don't know, I don't make nowhere near the money I used to make when I was working in those particular in, in, um, institutions. But you can't pay for the peace of mind that I have because I see you plantation Negroes getting stressed out every day. You wouldn't even know my struggles looking at me because I, that shit bounces off me like water. And that's when we need to start walking around and we need to walk around that black independence, unapologetic nature, family, divorcing yourself from the system of white supremacy. If I told you that the food you're eating was killing you and you were become you were suffering because of that, and you can recognize not to point out everything, everything that you're going through. As a doctor, I'm sitting there as, or as a health coach, I'm putting all these different things out to you. I'm telling you, this is making you sick. You can't keep eating pizza every day. You can't keep eating deep fried Oreos every day. You can't keep eating ice cream. You can't, you gotta get off exercise. You gotta change your lifestyle if you wanna live because the lifestyle you have is killing you. You will be able to look at me and say, you know what, you're right. I might not be able to get all that done in one place, but I have to eventually take steps towards that because this shit is killing me. This lifestyle is killing me. Or if I told you you were riding down the street and I've been down that block before, you've been down that block before, that block is full of potholes and pitfalls. Don't go down that block, go this way. It makes perfect sense. But when I tell black people, you have to divorce yourself from the system of white supremacy, that you have to divorce yourself from the culture, the traditions, and the rituals, and the practices, you turn your motherfucking noses up to me. I had one student say to me uh, last night, 
I said, you have to give up Christmas if you want to truly be empowered as a black person. Otherwise, stop complaining about the conditions in your community because you're sponsoring your heartache. You're sponsoring the murder. You're sponsoring the police brutality. You're sponsoring the fact that black people have no pride in themselves. You know what she said? Because I'm a Christian, I have to love Christmas. I said, if you knew anything about being a Christian, you would know that celebrating Christmas is blasphemous to your motherfucking religion. Doesn't matter, because she tuned me out. And we have a lot of people who tune you out when you start exposing the truth. A lot of people who tune you out when you start bringing them that truth. So we have to get the people who are comfortable with the truth. Because, and I often say, man, listen, if you're over 25 and you're not already thinking like this, I'm not shooting for you. Your mind is already made up. You're already in a pattern of bad behavior. You know, partying, bullshit, this, that, and the other. You have the same plantation behavior that Frederick Douglass described in his narrative when he talked about how the plantation was purposefully, purposefully set up with events and activities to keep your mind off of freedom. Run down the whole week. Sunday, you're filled up with church. Only certain parts of the Bible, though. Parts about forgiveness and loving your neighbor and forgiving, forgiving those who trespass against you. Then you're full off, full off that God is going to fix all your problems. Don't worry about heaven here. You're going to get it. You're going to don't worry about heaven here. You're going to get it when you die. Monday, you're still high off that shit. Tuesday, still feeling it a little bit. The heathens are getting into you. The heathens around you. Yeah, you know, talking about all the smutting and shit they do. You're feeling it because they you know you want to be a part of that but you know now i got this guy in me i got this i got this church in me wednesday's hump day wednesday is the day that all that shit starts to become burdensome thursday you can't even help yourself you out with the heathens going happy hour friday everybody spread evil partying bullshit lick it up this that and the other when you recover from your hangout, hangover on Saturday, you're right back at it Saturday evening. You're out there, you're trying to match up all your liquor with your bottles of water because you know what's coming. You know Sunday's coming. And you don't want to go on a Sunday smelling like Saturday night whores, all liquored up and whatever. So you go in, drink all the water, you have fun. If you get home early on Saturday than you did on Friday. Because you got to go to church on Monday and start the cycle all over again. Read Frederick Douglass's narrative so he can tell you how they set the plantations up just like that. The plantation lifestyle is just like that. That's what they had the term weekend warrior because they would work slaves to death all week long from sunrise to sunset. Black people weren't in chains and bondage on plantations. They got to walk around their neighborhoods, their shacks, like you get to walk around your neighborhoods, row homes and shacks and apartment buildings and so forth. You had an apartment building project. They had a goddamn barn they had to live in. Same fucking setup. They practice, studied us. And they know that if we ever start thinking liberation, it's a problem. So the no loitering laws that the brothers just got locked up for on Monday, 
Those policies were the black codes. They were the slave codes on the plantations. You see how this shit don't change? They don't even have to change their behaviors. They don't even have to change the way they function because they figured us out. And because we get on some, some ideological bullshit, we have not even figured out that they have studied us that much. So you get the Thursday and Friday, Friday, Friday and Saturday, Plantation Manor, the master of the plantation would bring all the slaves in. And he would have them fight to the death. He would get them liquored up. Give them, his, give them some of the good shit that we have. Get them liquored up. Go get some of that heat because black people out there making corn liquor and all that and the whiskey. You know, Jack Daniels, yeah, that was black. So whenever you pop in Jack Daniels, you're culturally appropriate black people. Maybe you ought to think about that because I guess they're not as, as, as convenient a target as Bruno Mars is. But they got you on the plantation, fighting up, riled up, and now they're making you have sex in the middle of the goddamn barn. With all the other sisters, they're making you rape younger sisters who are too young to say no, too young to even understand what's about to happen to them. And that was the weekend. Drunk, liquored up, sexed up, and then church on Sunday, where they're telling you to forgive this motherfucker that knocked your goddamn teeth out with a chisel to pour pores down your throat to make you eat so that you would have sustainability and energy to work on the cotton fields, to work in the goddamn rice fields, to work, you know, shucking wheat and all that other shit. And we proudly do that shit today. Proudly can't wait till fucking Friday. It's hump day today. I know people right now who are talking about hump days over. Looking forward to the weekend. TGIF. Thank God it's Friday so we can get down to the plantation shit. The plantation programming. See, fam, they got us pegged out. The way out of it is to walk out of this system. Divorce their culture, their rituals, the traditions. Leave football alone. Go play football with your friends if you wanted that much. Go to the fucking high schools and deal with those children. But stop dealing with the, the, the NFL and this, that, and the other. Stop dealing with all those different things. Because they got you in a ritual that reinforces white supremacy. It's the re-education program. Every holiday, they want to keep you penniless. So they strategically place holidays all over the world, all over the country. I mean, all over the calendar. You don't need Valentine's Day to express your love to your loved one. Why do you need to be instructed to show somebody when you have compassion for them, when you have affection for them? Why do you need the, 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 the biggest kinds of all are the ones where they just straight fucking lying to you. Easter, if you are just a slight bit literate in math, you will understand that there's no way that Jesus was killed on Friday and came out three days later on Sunday. Saturday, Sunday, that's two days. But that's just much common sense because we, we, we just want to continue to believe a lot. You know what I mean? Divorce that shit. You shouldn't be serving a God that doesn't serve you. You shouldn't be serving a God that doesn't empower your culture. 
every there was uh the movie life of pop in the beginning of life of pop there was a british man and a hindu and the, they started praying over their food and then the british man looked at the hindu the british man did the catholic shit, and the he turned to the hindu he said yo i didn't know that you were catholic he said yeah i'm catholic but instead of one guy you know make me feel guilty i have 36 million guys to make me feel guilty he said he said well why do you still practice it he said because i knew that i was hindu first i had to learn that first before i accepted who god was he had to learn god looks like him god is he is an image of his god our God walks around here, well, not mine, but you know, the God a lot of people worship, walks around here, blind hair, blue eyes. And even if it ain't blind hair and blue eyes, it's chalky skin with a vengeance and a hatefulness for you. I don't subscribe to that. So divorce that shit. Want to worship Jesus? Find a way to get it. Jesus better start looking like you. Funny as hell, in the movie uh, 21 Jump Street, the new one that came out, they were in the church. You know what I mean? They went to church. And in the church, they had Korean Jesus. And even the Koreans knew that when they worshiped Jesus, he needed to look like them. We still don't deal with that concept. Understood, we've been treated harshly. There's a, con there's a conditioning process that's taking place that put us in that place. But there's no reason now to know this and run away from it. Stop waiting for permission from white mommy, white daddy, to be out there and be outspoken for the cause of black empowerment. Stop waiting, you know, because when it comes to your sports franchises, a lot of black people in Philadelphia bleed eagle green, but they don't know shit about the green, the red, black, and green, or they don't want to be a part of the red, black, and green. Even though, your allegiance to one might save your life. You know what I'm saying? Um, there was a lot of other things I was going to jump into tonight, fam, but it's getting late, and I got some other things to jump into. But I want to make sure make sure you go to the, the pinned link, man. Grab your copy of the Independence Day Project. You know what I'm saying? Get enough copies in there. I might mail them joints out tonight or tomorrow. All right? Grab your copy of the Independence Day Project. Be a part of the solution, not the problem. This here is political education. All right, political education. Um, we need to get on board family and we need to get on code quickly. Because if we don't, then one of the things that's gonna happen to us, family, is we're gonna lose. You know what I'm saying? And that's not that's not good. You know what I'm saying? That's not safe. But I have confidence that we will win. Thing is, we're building the arc over here. We've divorced white supremacy. We're over here right now building our shit. We're creating our own path. We're not following the path of least resistance. We don't give a fuck if they're giving us for free. People always give you poison for free. They always give you the poison for free. When the motherfucker's trying to sell drugs to you, the first couple hits is free to get you hooked. You end up paying a lot more later. We're over here. We're on this diet, fresh, fresh, fresh live diet. You know, we're not 100% vegan, all of us. Some of us are, but we're not 100%. But we're not eating fried food no more. You know, we're steaming, juicing, 
We're growing our own food. We're developing veins of, of networks so that we can transport the food and feed our people. We're, 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 we're building with other like-minded brothers and sisters. We're occupying land. We're taking, country, we're, we're taking over different places in the countryside, places you wouldn't even imagine. We're taking spots in the cities, places you wouldn't imagine. And we're building. We're building black empowerment. We have our own currency. We're building because we know currency is not just cash on hand. You need it, but currency is not just cash on hand. It's your energy and your effort. You see, the white man understand that currency, money, fiat currency is only a tool in their tool chest. We hoard their tools. It's just like if instead of spending money, instead of spending a dollar bill, the fucking you, everything would be hammers and screwdrivers and we'd be like this with hammers and screwdrivers this is how we look hoarding money no these are tools they're meant to use to build things to get you things you don't need to give you access to things that's what money is money is supposed to be fluid money is not something you lock in a vault and hold and board they taught you that they tricked you they lied to you to convince you of that so that you can go to them and they can lock your money away in vaults and things of that nature. You're ready to build, family. You're ready to build, you know? One last thing, though, because I, I really have to go. Don't ever tell me that Black people don't have enough money to buy their own liberation, sponsor their movement. It was never made so clear than the last time, not the last time, but time before last, and I was in, in Harlem. And we were driving around on our way home from Harlem. January 29th, the Independence Day project came out. And we looked in all the high-rise buildings. There were avenues of stores. We, we drove about 10 blocks. And for 10 blocks, there were avenues of stores. And probably less than five of the motherfucking stores were owned by black people. So you had Arabs. You had Jews. You had other denominations, you had Italians, you had Dominicans, Latinos, you had all these different people, non-black folk. You had, you know, Asians, all of them. You're funding their nations. You're funding multiple nations because every black community has an avenue of stores that are not owned, a business district of stores that are not owned by black people, but black people are the life's blood of those businesses. Getting still, we don't have any money to support our own, but you can keep building the Italian community. You can keep building the French community. You can keep building the Belgian community. You can keep building of the Portuguese community. You can keep building all these other Asian communities. They fucking, they don't even need the China. They got Chinatown, they don't need Chinatown. You help them build Chinatown. You keep funding all those different things, but you can't fund a black community. Word. <laughs> See, it's not the fact that we don't have the resources. It's that the American nigger factory has made some good niggas out of us. And because they've made good niggas out of us, 
niggas don't see value in other niggas. Maybe if you start seeing each other as brothers and sisters and kings and queens, that should have changed. So family, I want you to think on that, sleep on that. Um, we got some big things coming up. Um, be on the lookout for the book reading initiative. We're going to launch that again. When you purchase the Independence Day Project, you will be sponsoring our book reading initiative to help our black our children, you know, build up their literacy rates and also become empowered with reading books about who they are, reading books about who they are, reading books about who they are, reading books, learning who the enemy is. You know what I'm saying? All those different things. You know, understanding our codes, understanding our codes, Independence Code Book, understanding our codes. Okay, we don't just talk and we walk in family. So we're going to have children paying that. We're going to also create a business this summer for the children, create summer jobs. They're going to be entrepreneurs. We're going to create water rice stands. We have Dre's Water Rice in Philadelphia, Black-owned water rice and ice cream maker. We're going to be utilizing him, going to his Black-owned water rice you know, company. And, 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 and because we're going to take our business and we're going to utilize that as a model for us. So when you purchase the, the Independence Day Project family, you support initiatives like that and that's part of what we're trying to build the national black liberation front you know when you go the pats and you buy the i am black power shirts all right that's supporting our movement our push peace and black power to our family out in mississippi and northern and um, southern memphis all right peace and black power to them out there doing that work with the black the black liberation movement also under the umbrella of the national black liberation front all right so family keep on the lookout because we got big things popping we're moving. We're not just talking. We're moving. So with that said, family, as always, um, let me see if I can get my music playing right. I, I was solving earlier about my music not playing, my music not coming up like I needed it to. So I'm gonna see. I'm gonna see if I can get my music popping so we can go out here on the right note. You know what I'm saying? Um, try something different this time. So with that said, family. About to roll out. Keep it funky. Blackindependence.org is the site. Bring us to your city. We will turn some shit around. Peace and love, family. Wakusu. Wake up, clean up, stand up. Ashe. Black power. We will win.